This is Sid Roth saying, Shalom Mishpacha. Mishpacha is a Hebrew word. It means family. And we're the Mishpacha, the family with a Jewish heart. Welcome to today's edition of Messianic Vision and another appointment for you to be mentored to fulfill your destiny with one of our It's Supernatural guests. And now, here's your host for this program, It's Supernatural television producer, Donna Chavis. Thank you, Sid. Welcome, everyone, to Messianic Vision today. I'm your host, Donna Chavis, and my guest today is a multi-gifted international speaker, business consultant, and apostle to the nations. He is the senior pastor of Love Fest Church International in Zambia and the founder of a multimedia TV ministry based in Atlanta, Georgia. And now here's something interesting. He is the creator and founder of the world's first Marketplace Bible. And the list goes on and on. So please welcome to Messianic Vision a dear, dear friend of this ministry, Dr. Francis Miles. Hi, Dr. Miles. Hey, I'm excited to be here. Uh, And I know that uh, those of you that are listening, you are really going to be blessed today by what God is releasing, what God is saying. So it's exciting to always connect with my family yes. at, uh, at It's Supernatural and uh, Messianic Vision. <laughs> well, we feel the exact same way. Now, you have written a brand new book, Dr. Miles, and this is called, I remember asking you, why did you use this word? Dangerous prayers from the courts of heaven that destroy evil altars. My goodness, that is brand new, and we will be letting everyone know how they can get that a little later on in the program. But why this book, Dr. Miles? What, what was your purpose when you were writing this book? Usually, revelators, God gives them revelation from their own experiences, because there's something about experiencing something, being on the other end of the stick, that causes you to appreciate the dilemma of a particular challenge. And so in trying to heal yourself, trying to find a breakthrough, find a solution, God ends up giving you not giving you a solution for the body of Christ in you when you find out that what you are, you thought was your personal experience is a global phenomenon. Many mm. of God's children were dealing with, with mountains of unanswered prayer. And I said, Lord, I don't understand. I pray, I fast. Well, what, what am I missing? And that's when God began to reveal to me how so many pe- people of God are fighting evil infrastructures called evil altars. Yes. And then God began to open up the whole revelation on altars in the Bible. And I'm telling you, it's been a game changer to be able to teach people how to destroy these evil altars. And then all of a sudden, all the prayers I've been praying in the, in the, in the years gone by begin, begin to manifest. So it's, been, it's, it's, it's really why I wrote, I wrote this book um, is to really do my part in curing the dilemma of unanswered prayer yes. in the body of Christ globally. And we've all experienced that to one degree or another, most of us a lot. And we do feel that frustration sometimes. We pray and we pray, as you said, and we've all experienced that frustration of unanswered prayers. You've got two sections in this book. Um, how did you divide that up? Oh, wow. It, because I, I, at these two sections, I did it because, number one, I wanted to lay a biblical foundation because foundations are important. You see, one of the, one of the things that, um, that uh, unanswered prayer does, it creates a spirit of frustration and uh, pessimism in the, in the soul of the believer. 
where the enemy begins to to literally taunt you and say, well, you know, you've done that, you've done that, nothing is happening. You know, it must be God that's not even want you want you to have it or say some something something wrong with you. So what I've done is I wanted to lay a biblical foundation. That's what in the foundation number one, people would first and foremost realize it's not their fault that some prayers were not answered. Number two. God always heard them, but there were some things blocking what yes. God wanted to do for them. Yes. And so by laying a biblical foundation, it gave people hope. Yes, yes. And then the second part of the book. Yeah, the second part of the book is where we get into the meat of what I call the book of dangerous prayers. Because <laughs> it's, these prayers are dangerous because they really think about it. If you are the devil... And you've hidden something that you have been using to block people, uh, people of faith, people of prayers from being answered. And then that mystery is revealed. And people begin to get answers one after the other. That's a dangerous prayer to the devil. Yes. You know, and and then, you know, so I call them dangerous prayers because they really work. And, you know, before I even wrote the book, I tested my thesis on so many people. So we've gathered uh, testimonies of people who said, my God, I went for years without this. And then, then when I heard you teach on how to destroy evil authors and you prayed with us, bam, it was completely changed. You know, this changed, this happened after years of not seeing anything, any result. So I know these prayers are dangerous prayers yes. because they, they work and also they are performed in the court of heaven. Absolutely. And, you know, that is so what we need. I I read so many wonderful books sometimes, and I get a lot of good, like you said, biblical foundation and information. But sometimes the practical is not there. So you have actually walked people through these prayers and said, this is the way you do it. This is what you do. This is what you say. So I absolutely love that about it. Okay, let's dig in a little bit to the book. You start off with saying... Prayer is to spiritual life like oxygen is to the human body. And we've all heard the scripture where Jesus declared, men ought to pray at all times and not lose heart. Yes. You know, because with that statement you have just uh, quoted from uh, Luke 18, Jesus, in one blanket statement, essentially forever in those prayer, everywhere and under all circumstances, as the primary means of engaging the supernatural God of ours, who loves us a lot, that he sent Jesus to even die for us. You know, that prayer is the only way to these answers to life's most perplexing uh, problems. And so there is no other way to approach God and make things happen. And uh, so this is why it's, uh, I make the statement, prayer is to spiritual life, but oxygen is to human body. And I think anybody... Those of you are listening right now, you can relate to uh, how the body can die quickly. I mean, you you deny your brain of oxygen for a few minutes, you are brain dead. That's how prayer is to the limb of the spirit. Yes. So, and I know you're not trying to just trivialize it when you just, when you go, okay, yeah, just pray about it. But for those people that have prayed and prayed and knocked and knocked and seeked, what do you say to them? Well, you know, the Bible says, keep on seeking, keep on knocking. And I believe it's because of their desire for, an, for answered prayer, you know, because, you know, that, that, that has brought them even to this, uh, to this 
program. I believe that, that they are, God has led them to this place where they can even hear about a book that can really deal with the, what could have been the number one thing they have been asking God to do. So I tell people, keep on keeping on, but uh, eventually the door opens. And I believe that, uh, Donna, this pro- program is God opening the door to answer prayer for people who have had to deal with the invisible war of an answered prayer. Yes. So I'm very, very excited that, that people are listening to us right now because this is it. Yes. And I I like the way you put this in your book when you said, you know, when Jesus said, you seek, you knock, you ask, and the door will be opened. And you you said, Francis, so that is Jesus dealing head on with the problem of unanswered prayer. Now, you talk about something that is a spiritual accelerant. Explain that. Yes. An accelerant is something that is used to speed up a fire or speed up a process. You know, that's why uh, one of the protocols of the, of the fire department is when the building is burning down, they do an inv- a post-mortem investigation try, trying to rule out the presence of an, uh, of an accelerant. If they find it's an accelerant, then they know an arson was involved in the burning of a building. If it's absent, then, it, then it's just natural. So an accelerant speeds up the process. Well, in the realm of the spirit, one of the most powerful spiritual accelerants is fasting. Jesus, that's why I just said this, this kind only goes by fasting and prayer. You know, so fasting is, a, is an amazing accelerant. And in this book, we, put, we place it in its proper place as we unravel the mystery of unanswered prayer. Yes. Now, and you, you mentioned a couple of um, minutes ago about how sometimes the, the prayers have been answered, but there are things that are delaying them. Yes. And this is essentially the anchor of this whole book is I introduce the readers to a supernatural divine platform God created in order to legally connect with men after he gave us dominion called an altar, A-L-T-A-R, and I'm spelling it because of my accent uh, for people out there. (laughs) You know, when you come from Africa, sometimes you have to spell some words. So... You know, for everybody out there, it's A-L-T-A-R. If you look up at this five-letter word, you're going to find out that this word is the most predominant uh, 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 thing in the whole Bible. It goes through the whole Bible, and yet very few Christians understand what an altar is uh, other than, oh, I, I, I give my life to the, Lord, to the church at the pulpit, and they think that's the only altar. But this thing is deep, and that's what God has always used to connect with men. But the problem is Satan is a copycat. He copied God, yes. perverted that system, and so many of us are fighting that. And it's a really the the boogeyman behind much of unanswered prayer. That's right. And, you know, we are really going to dig into that in a lot of detail. But I want to mention quickly before we have a little break here, uh, a couple more of these principles that, that you mentioned when we're, when we're learning how to get our prayers answered. You talk about the law of dominion. Explain that. Wow, that's amazing. Thank you for asking. Um, well, Udana, and uh, for those of you who are listening, this is very important. You've got to get this. God did something amazing. Amazing uh, in uh, Genesis 1.26 when he says, let us make man after our image, after our likeness. And then he used two words. These two words will change man's relationship with God. 
And God does it sovereignly. Nobody's forcing God. Nobody can bend his hand. He's doing it uh, uh, sovereignly and willingly, but it changes his relationship with man. It's a two ways, let them, let them have dominion. Of course, dominion means rulership. Yes. It means kingdom. You know, it means all of that. But those what made man as an uh, authority, you know, authority over the earth became an exclusive territory of man. God literally takes him, locks himself out of influencing this world of this world without man's permission by that law of dominion. I have never heard anybody say it that way, that God of his of his own will and of his it was his decision, he said, let them. Wow, I, I've never heard that before as far as as um, a teaching. So that is the law of dominion. So there he was giving dominion or rulership over to man. Yes. So essentially what God is saying, Donna, in the let them, he's literally telling to Adam and Eve, just like I'm a sovereign being in the, uni- in the, in the, in the invisible realm of heaven, I am making you uh, sovereign. Because remember, man was created to extend the kingdom. Yes. Uh, 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 the kingdom of the kingdom, the invisible kingdom of man's assignment is to take the invisible kingdom of heaven into the earthly realm, so that what is in heaven is now on on earth. So, in order for him to do that, God had to give them absolute authority on earth, so that what happens on earth, God can say, "What can say, hello, Adam? Why did you do it?" Because He literally gave him the keys. Now, so the law of dominion simply means this, that spirits without bodies, spirits without bodies, which includes God and the devil, are illegal on earth unless they are working in conjunction with a human. That's the law of dominion. Wow. That, that's a lot. So there's a legality, if we can say it that way, there's a legality, a legal permission here that is needed. That's right. I mean, you get it, Donna, that's exactly what is it, is that God says to man. I mean, you, you know, I tell people, I said, uh, do not let the devil sell you on this inferiority complex. Uh, you are nothing. You are a worm. Look at your life. No, 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 no. God made us powerful because this sovereign being called God who could do anything, he owns the world. The Bible says the earth and the, the earth is mine. You see, he gave us or dominion. He never gave us ownership of the earth, but he gave us dominion. We have real authority. Jesus put it this way in the New Testament, in uh, Matthew 18. And I think Donald can love this. He says this. He, he's repeating the law of dominion in a different way. He says, whatever you bind, you bind. He didn't say whatever God binds. Yes. Whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. And whatever you lose on earth, not, not on earth, shall be loosed in heaven. Listen, it is, this is the issue that we have a legal power to permit spirits to and to operate in the world of men, whether it's God or whether it's the devil, it's in our it's in our hand to permit which spirit is gonna operate in my family, which spirit am I gonna lock out? That's the kind of power God gave us through the law of dominion. You know what? That is one of those teachings and one of those principles that you, you have to kinda almost sit back and 
Whew, almost take it in and kind of ponder it a little bit. <laughs> I think sometimes when you think <laughs> about that, he gave it to us. He gave it to you that are listening. Dr. Miles, he gave us the keys to loose and to bind to us, to those that are his children. Wow, that that is heavy. Let me take just a second here and tell you about our exciting resource offer today. It's Dr. Francis Miles' brand new book, Dangerous Prayers from the Courts of Heaven that Destroy Evil Altars. And we're gonna get into that a little bit more in just a moment. And Dr. Miles' brand new and exclusive three CD teaching series called Destroying Evil Altars, Seven Places Jesus Shed His Blood. And you're going to get two-part message on that, Destroying Evil Altars. And then the third CD in this set is going to be called Dangerous Prayers. This is where Dr. Miles is going to actually take you into the courts of heaven. We're also going to talk about that, so be sure and stay tuned to destroy the seven evil altars that are connected with the blood that Jesus shed. This is truly, I know you hear the excitement and the passion in Dr. Miles' voice when he's talking about this. It's truly a life-changing resource. So be sure to listen for Sid at the end of the program and he's gonna tell you exactly how you can get it. So Dr. Miles, this was so fascinating to me that, that you said the law of dominion simply states that spirits without physical bodies are illegal on earth unless they are functioning through a human. So this is an unbreakable law of God's kingdom. So suddenly for us, prayer becomes critically essential, you say. Yes, because it becomes, it becomes man's way of giving God the legal permission he needs to righteously interfere in the affairs of men. I'm going to repeat the last phrase, to righteously interfere in the affairs of men. You see, God is righteous. Everything about his righteous. God will never break the law because he is, the law is his own word. Okay? He's the lawgiver. Okay? So he needs to be able to interfere in our world righteously because we gave him permission through prayer. Like when Moses says to the Lord, I will not lead, I want you to show me your glory. Guess who was praying? Not God, about the glory coming. Right. It was Moses. Yes. He says, I will not leave. I won't even follow your angel unless you show me your glory. So God, so here's, here's Moses praying and saying, God, I'm not going to move with your angel. I love your angel, but I need your glory. And so God shows up and shows him the glory because God can righteously now interfere in the face of men because there's a man on earth who has legal authority to allow spirits to come into the world of men, asking for God a spirit, according to uh, John chapter 4, verse 24, Jesus told us, my father, God is a spirit. Very clear and simple. Yes. If God is a spirit, he's bound by the law of, of dominion. Yes. He has to be invited, otherwise he won't just break into your house by force. And you know, you mentioned your accent. You have a pretty heavy accent, and I have a very southern accent. So let me say that again for for all of you. <laughs> I love the fact that you said. Now let me repeat that last line because we want people to get this. Prayer is critically essential because it becomes man's way of giving God the legal permission and the legal permission that he needs to righteously get involved again because he in the beginning said, let them. 
Let them have it. Let them do it. So have you ever thought about how powerful your prayers are? When I read those parts in your book like that, when, when it's just those parts that I say, you may, it makes you want to stop for a second and just soak it in. It's so, so powerful. That is how powerful your prayers are. If you're listening to this, just take a minute and think about that. But you know what? Dr. Miles, God had a magnificent plan, and you, you mentioned it a little earlier, and that plan was an altar. Yes, God's plan was to build an interface. Now, in our world of technology today, we understand what an interface is, okay? You know, it's a medium between two entities. So God's plan was an altar, okay? He, now, now that he, he put together the law of dominion, and in the law of the, what is very interesting is this, God, in the, in the law of dominion, what God does is is really next to genius, but God is a genius anyway. Okay, <laughs> he gives he gives man authority. What he doesn't give man is power. Mm. Power re- remains essentially locked in the spirit realm. So power. That's why that's what David says. God has spoken once, but twice have I heard. Power belongs to God. But authority on earth belongs to man. <laughs> so, wow. Yeah. Now, in other words, God says, says, okay, I got the power, you got the authority. What, what, what are we going to do about it? <laughs> we need to come to, together at the place of exchange, okay, where you can give me legal permission to use my power in your world. Wow. And God builds this interface called an altar where that type of exchange can happen. So an altar becomes a table of fellowship. That's why fellowship with the Holy Ghost is important. An altar becomes a place of exchange. I need God. I need a miracle. But, but the miracle worker is in the spirit world. It's God. So we have to have a place where we can meet. So I can exchange my need for a miracle for his power. And why does God do that? Because God is a father. He, he, he created us for fellowship. But at the same time, he also gave us for dominion to rule this world. So he didn't want to be one of those nagging parents that when the children leave the house, the parents still come home and run the house of their children like it belongs to them. No, <laughs> he's, a, he's like, eh, eh, you've left the house. And when I come to your house, I'm going to call you to get permission to come. Can, I, can, I, can we come over? That's, a, that's the kind of God, parent he is. Yes. So, that's what that, so he puts an altar. It becomes an interface between the spirit world and the natural world. It, the altar then there, the altar Adonna, who then serve as a meeting place between divinity and humanity. Okay? It would be a place of landing, a consecrated place where spirits can legally land on earth at man's beckoning. The problem with that is the devil is a copycat. Mm-hmm. When he saw how God was legally getting in the world of men, he figured, well, so you mean all I need is deceive or influence another human being to give me the same permission and I can come in? That was the beginning of evil orders. And you called it a power station. So that power (laughs) station, as you have just wonderfully explained, between God and man can also be between hell and earth as 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 well as heaven and earth. 
Exactly. So this is what our book deals with. It deals with this phenomenon that we can shut down these power stations. Once we see what it is, we're like, okay, we can take the keys back. And that's what this book is about, is that you can take the keys back. So if somebody in your bloodline, I mean, built a power station to the devil for cancer, for something else, for, for vicious cycles you keep going through, this altar can be destroyed. You know, that it's connecting your life to hell, your life on earth to hell. Yes. So our enemy, Satan, the devil, he is behind the evil altars just like God, our heavenly father, is behind these heavenly altars where he wants to meet with us and do that divine exchange that you talked about. You know, here's something extremely practical. I've ran into people before, Dr. Miles, that that I feel like when I run into them, all of a sudden there seems like to be something, some some friction, something there that I don't understand. Is that what you call the battle of the altars? Yes. You know, this is powerful. What we call in the charismatic Pentecostal world spiritual warfare is nothing short of the spiritual battle that ensues when an altar from God's kingdom, a righteous altar, is placed next to an altar from the kingdom of darkness. And, I'll, and let me give a metaphor for this. You know, I'll give, I'll give a biblical metaphor, and I'm going to give you a human metaphor that people can relate to or listen to us right now. Okay. The biblical metaphor for that is the ark of God is captured by the Philistines in First Samuel chapter 4. It's captured, and in First Samuel chapter 5, the, the altar of God, the, the ark of God, which is an altar, is now taken into the temple of Dagon, a demonic altar, a spirit of that the Philistines worship. So guess what happens? The Bible says they put the ark of God next to the altar of Dagon in the temple of Dagon. And you know what happened? They went to sleep. When they woke up, there had been a battle between the ark of God and Dagon. Dagon was lying on the floor. He was beat up by the ark of God. That's a biblical metaphor. Yes. But that happens on a human level. An individual joins the company. I mean, it's the first day at a new job. They're excited. They want to be nice to everybody. Then they meet this person who's been there long uh, before them, and they're trying to be nice, and this person just sassy. I mean, and they could see from the very word go, this person doesn't like me. Oh, my God, what have I done? I've never, I don't even know them. It's my first day at my work. It, don't take it personal, people. What you have just discovered, somebody in that company who carries an evil order in their soul that is immediately threatened by the light you carry on your righteous order. That's what it is. And that is the explanation behind the spirit of animosity. So don't get caught up in it. Go in your prayer closet and, you know, arrest that evil order. And the good news is, Donna, in my book, there's actually prayers they can use to arrest those kind of situations, yes. uh, situations and see that whole workplace change. Yes, and and you are you have filled this teaching, this information with with lots of good tips too. And here's here's one that wow, you said we need to make sure we need to take care of this that the altar of the Lord within us has to be stronger than that evil altar that we might encounter. So it's up to us to make sure. That, that we keep that altar, that connection, that meeting place with God strong in our lives, isn't it? 
Yes, and you know how you do it? By spending time with the Holy Spirit. Yes. You know, we live in a busy, busy world. And you know what it is, Donna? We keep biting at the champ of busyness. But the problem is, is Satan's strategy to keep us away from attending to the altar of fellowship with the Lord. And so the less fellowship we have in prayer, in worship, the weaker the altar of the Lord becomes in us. So guess what happens when we go in the marketplace? We end up being beat up by all these people mm. that have got these strong evil altars than us because we are not spending time with our God. Yes, yes, yes. And and. Thankfully, you help us know how that we can take care of that, what we need to do. You are a wonderful teacher, and we appreciate it. Dr. Ma, we we actually have a mutual friend, Tony Kemp. He had an extremely powerful vision that he shared with you recently. Yes. You know, Tony um, Kemp was one of the accelerants, spiritually speaking, for me with this revelation, because God was had begun to unravel to me the mystery of evil authors and righteous authors in Scripture and how they affect people today. So one time I had Tony Kemp when I used to have a church in Arizona. He came to speak for us, and we were just having dinner or something like that, spending time together, and then he he just went and told him about a heaven encounter he had with Elijah when God raptured him and took him into heaven, for you know. And uh, he says he met Elijah in heaven. And then Elijah saw, told him something that really, really, really shook him. And just, But for me, it was a massive revelation because I grew up, I mean, focusing on Elijah. I love the ministry of Elijah. I would teach from, a, from Elijah's life. You know, he was one of my yes. favorite authors, I mean, prophets, because I was always attracted to the fire in the Holy Ghost, you know. So this is what uh, uh, Elijah tells Tony Kemp. He says, you know, most people on earth in the body of Christ misunderstand my ministry. He said to him, Tony, my ministry was not about calling fire down from heaven. It was about rebuilding the broken altar of the Lord in a generation. Wow. When Tony told me this, flashlights of revelation that Donna broke us through my spirit because I finally saw it, that the fire of God that came down from heaven came after right after Elijah had repaired the broken altar of the yes, Lord yes. in the nation of Israel. All right, let me take just a second again here to tell everybody about this life-changing resource that we have for you today. Again, it's Dr. Francis Miles' brand new book, Dangerous Prayers from the Courts of Heaven That Destroy Evil Altars. And Dr. Miles' brand new and exclusive three-CD teaching series. Now, in this series, you're going to get two powerful messages called destroying evil altars. It's the seven places that Jesus shed his blood. And the third CD is Dangerous Prayers. This is where Dr. Miles actually takes you into the courts of heaven to destroy these seven evil altars that are connected to the seven places where Jesus shed his blood. This is powerful. I have read it and read it and read it, and it is so, so powerful. So again, be sure to listen for Sid at the end of the program, and he will tell you exactly how you can get this resource today. You can get it for yourself, for your family, for your church group, 
for your church library. This is truly a life-changing resource, as I said earlier. So be sure to listen for Sid at the end of the program to find out how you can get this resource today. You can get it for yourself, for your family, for your, your small group, your study group, or even for your church library. So Sid will be here in just a moment to let you know how to get that. Okay, Dr. Miles, I am so excited. I want to get into a section of the book where you talk about operating in the courts of heaven. Now, that's part of your title here. So what is that, and why is that so important? Wow, yes. You know, operating in the courts of heaven is very important because it's one of the highest realms for prayer. You know, remember what we've already said, that prayer is very yes. important in the economy of God because it's the, it's the only way to legally give God permission to interfere righteously in the affairs of men. But one of those realms of prayer is, how, is operating in the courts of heaven because, you see, heaven has a, has a judicial side. It has a judicial uh, branch of the government of the kingdom of God. Think about this. There is no country on earth, even banana republics have a semblance of the judiciary. There's no country on earth right now where you can go where there won't be a judicial system of some kind. So why would we expect that the most sovereign and the loftiest government in the universe, the government of right. God, does not have its own judiciary? Right. And and that, that plays out basically like the, the position in this, this courtroom, per se, this spiritual courtroom, it plays out similar to like a regular courtroom as far as all the positions in there. Exactly. I mean, I mean, listen, remember, Moses is the lawgiver. So God gives us law. That's why you find even these nations that are going secular, trying to act like, trying to act like God does not matter. The funny thing, they can't run away from the mosaic judicial uh, framework of law that everybody uses. Almost every country on earth has a semblance of the Ten Commandments because God is a lawgiver. So the law comes out of heaven because Moses was taught to do it as he saw it in heaven. So Moses brought down the law of God. So the judiciary, that we, what we call the judiciary today on earth, actually comes out of heaven. That's why it looks like heaven is coping us. No, we are coping heaven. So we have a presiding judge. So God in the Bible is called the judge. In Daniel chapter 7, he's sitting to judge over the nations where the Bible shows that the powerful assemblers of the court of heaven in, in Daniel 7, verse 9 to 10. You know, so the presiding judge in any court is the highest court, is the highest officer of the court, which in the heavenly courts of heaven, God is the presiding judge. Right. Ain't nobody above him, you know. And then you've got the prosecutor, because you can't have a trial without the prosecutor. Who is that? That's Satan. See, before I understood the court of heaven, I was really mystified theologically by Job. The book of Job, chapter 1 and chapter 2, they were difficult for me. I believed God, but I really, the theologian in me said, hmm, I am having problems with this part of Job's story because why Satan has been cast out of heaven? Why is he if uh, why is he back? Why is he appearing with the angels until I got the court of heaven revelation? That was difficult. But when I got the revelation of how to operate in the court of heaven, the Holy Spirit said to me, Francis, I know Job one and two has been difficult for you, but it's simple. He said, Francis. Satan has been given a limited license to appear in the court of heaven until the consummation of the age of sin. Why? Because he said to me, while the earth remains and before the age has been consummated, he said, people are still breaking the law of God. So, the, so he has a legal right to come before God and say, hey, 
These people, you died for these people you're trying to rescue. Look at how they are breaking the commandments, this, whatever. So, it, so the prosecutor is Satan in the court of heaven, and he brings accusations against us. And we find this in uh, uh, Revelation chapter 12, how is the accuser of the brethren yes. accusing us day and night. And then there's the advocate. In First John chapter 2, we are told that Jesus is our advocate or our defense attorney. It's, it says it in First John chapter 2, you know. And then, of course, if that's the case, then we then you, you can't have an advocate unless there's a defendant, the person who's being accused. And in most cases, Donna, it's God's people being accused by the devil for what what they did yes. or what happened. And you know what? Night. If if we don't understand this system, this courts of heaven, that paints such a, a fabulous picture that we can understand as far as the, the different positions. But if we don't understand this and we don't know how to go in and come against those accusations, then there's nobody to answer the accusations. Exactly. You know, well, you know what? The Lord spoke to me when I was, uh, he was teaching me on the court of heaven. And I'm very uh, grateful to the Lord, you know, speaking to me directly by the spirit of revelation. But I'm also thankful to my time spent with my dear friend, Robert Henderson, who's really one of the fathers of the, yes. of, of the, the version of the court of heaven. You know, but when God was talking to me about the court of heaven, he said to me, Francis, one day I was just, he said to me, that was a huge download. He said to me, Francis, have you noticed in the judicial systems of men anywhere in the world, that whosoever does not show yes. up for court yes. loses. He <laughs> says, Francis, if you don't show up for the court, the court, number one, will hold you in contempt. Number two, the prosecutor will get what is known as default judgment. A default judgment is a judgment the judge gives to the prosecutor, not because he believes in the merit of the case. It's because the judge has no choice but to do that because the defendant refused to show up for court. And this is where so many Christians are, because our lack of knowledge of the, of the realities of the court of heaven have kept us out of that arena. So every time the devil rises with an accusation, we don't even know when the Holy Spirit is summoning us to court so that he can defend us and at least grace to deliver us and silence the accusation. We just don't show up. So we keep getting, uh, the devil keep getting this default judgment and then they are playing out in our life in delayed destiny, lost financial opportunities, sickness in the body. These are accusations and answers that are now playing out in the human body or in our human life. But by understanding the court of heaven, we can stop all that yes, drama. So in Jesus th name. this teaching to me is so, so important because if we don't know about this or we don't understand this, then we don't show up. And Satan loves it when we don't show up, doesn't he? Oh, he, he, I mean, listen, he does. Because <laughs> you know what it is? He knows his case is weak. His case is weak because in, I tell people that the court of heaven in the New Testament is the most beautiful place to be for the child of God. And I said, here's why. It's because the court of heaven is biased towards the acquittal of the believer because of the finished work of Jesus. That's why Satan is terrified of believers showing up in the court of heaven because he knows the court is biased towards the honoring the finished work of Jesus yes. when we cry in repentance. That's why he yeah, wanted and, to show up. And because when we're there to defend ourselves, we don't even have to defend ourselves. We have our advocate, and it's all about his blood. 
I mean, that answers every accusation. Yes. <laughs> Praise God. This is something that I wrote down. I, I have this people that listen to these podcasts all the time. They know me. They <laughs> they know that when I find something that's so, so powerful, I, I type it out and I tape it to my cabinets in my office <laughs> because I just want to be able to see it over and over and over again. And And you say that grace is available for us in the grace court. But if we don't show up for court to answer the accusations, then the grace will not profit us anything. So show up and present your evidence of the grace. So I put that on there. Show up and present your evidence. Grace. God's grace and his mercy through the blood of Jesus, the shed blood of Jesus. You know what, Dr. Miles? I think I could just about preach this now. I've studied it so much. I'm getting (laughs) (laughs) You are doing pretty good. I was just. No, I just, you know, when we we have some of these really deep, wonderful teachings like this particular one that you've just prepared for everybody. It just takes you a while to just kind of to, like I said earlier, ponder it around and get it down into your spirit. So I I absolutely love that. And this is something let we, we were just talking about the blood of Jesus, the shed blood of Jesus. You call it here we are in the courts of heaven and you call it the most powerful voice that's there. Yes, you see. You know, one of the most powerful weapons we have in our arsenal as citizens of the kingdom is the nuclear. Yeah. I use the word nuclear because there's nothing more powerful in the universe than yes. the blood of Yeshua. Yes. Mm. See, so therefore, the blood of Jesus speaks to his obedience to God. The blood of Jesus speaks to a man who never mm. broke the word of God. The blood of Jesus speaks to a man who lived the word. You see, so when that blood speaks in the court of heaven, everybody has to listen. Both God and Satan have to listen to the blood speak. Why? It has end its place because of who it represents. So this is why it's a very powerful weapon that we as believers, Donna, can invoke in repentance, can invoke in destroying these evil altars, and then being completely forgiven, yes. it's really powerful. Yes, yes. And you said, here's what ties it all together. Altars are places of blood. Mm. <laughs> well, you don't just go through the Bible. Every altar was a place of blood. You know, Noah built an yes. altar, blood was there. Abraham built an altar, blood was there. But the highest altar... Mm was Calvary. First Peter 2.24 in the Amplified tells us very clearly that the cross, Christ, Jesus Christ gave his life for us as ordered altar in order to remove our sins. I mean, that altar of the cross where he shed his blood, I mean, that blood-stained cross Yes. is evidence that when Jesus died, he fulfilled the law of altar. He died on a meeting place. That's why Jesus is the only human being who can connect man to God. Why? Because he died at the exchange. The altar is a place of exchange. He died right there on the cross and and, and shed his blood because 
you know, and so that's why the blood of Jesus is so powerful, you know, but also because of altar the place of blood and the life of all flesh is in the blood. This is why God hates, he hates, again, he hates yes. the shedding of innocent human blood. That's why when Cain killed Abel, God was angry. He said, oh, what have you done? Your brother's blood is crying out to me. What have you done? They, now the ground is not going to give you its best because even the land does not love it when you shed human blood. And I think, uh, Donna, this is one of the reasons why America right now is in trouble and the world is in trouble because, you know, there is too much... Shedding right. of innocent blood, especially yes. that of our baby yes. donor, just really gets to me. Yes, absolutely. Yes, that is that is quite a powerful and emotional point for for a lot of us, and I know that you you teach about that as well. That is something that is in our society today that that I believe we need to take to the courts of heaven and get this taken care of for sure. Well, I, right. I want to make sure that everybody gets just a tiny taste before we leave about what you're teaching in these uh, in this audio teaching series. And I know we don't have time to go through all of it, but will you just give us, just, just quickly, let us know what are the seven places that Jesus shed his blood that you're going to be taking them through in this teaching series? Number one, when Jesus threw his sweat uh, in the Garden of Gethsemane, released droplets of blood. That's the first time the blood was shed. So this deals with the altar of toiling and sweating, toiling and sweating, which came with a curse after they sinned against God in Genesis 3, verse 17. So Jesus yes. uh, did that. Number two, he was struck on, on, on his face with feasts and roads. The Bible says that. So our face, as you know, especially you women, is our glory. You know, it contains our self-image. So that has to do with slander. So Jesus was beaten in the face to restore our glory and destroy the spirit of slander. So if there's anybody there, you've you suffered from slander, this is your teaching that is going to break that spirit over your life and restore your glory. Number three, <clears throat> the hair on, of his beard was mm. pulled out. And that's a painful way. That's a very painful way. I can do as a man, pulling out anybody's beard yes. is very, very painful. That's how much Jesus loves us. You know, but why? What is, what, what is this a symbol of? You know, in Jewish culture, in, a, in the rabbinical tradition, the beard was a symbol of honor. So for, for your beard to be plucked out would be the most shameful thing you can put a man through. So Jesus literally was destroying the altar of shame. And I'm telling you, I know people have committed suicide because they're overwhelmed yes. by the spirit of shame. Well, Jesus dropped some blood for you, yes. and you can be delivered through this series. Number four, he was scourged on his back. Now, this is where the miracles of healing happened. He was, he was scourged 39 times, 39 times, which represents a complete, I mean, complete removal of the spirit of infirmity or sickness. So for those of you that are listening to us and you are sick in your body, you can receive the anointing right now by the blood of Jesus. Right now, you can receive it because 39 stripes is what he took on his back. So you can be healed. And we see a lot of miracles in our services because of that reason. Number five, crown of thorns were placed in, pressed into his scalp. You know, that is very painful. But why do that? Why would God the Father allow his son to, to take that? Because of the curse of thorns and thistles that were proclaimed up upon Adam's rebellion in Genesis chapter 3, which represents the spirit of poverty. 
you know, spirit of poverty. And there's so many of God's children who love Jesus, but my God, they are oppressed by poverty. Every month is a struggle. Every week is a struggle just to get by. The devil is alive. That, that mm. was never designed to be your portion. Jesus restored your financial glory and re- destroyed the spirit of poverty or the altar of poverty. Number six, he was crucified with nails were put in his hands and feet. Hands and feet represent balance. You see, ever since the fall of man, Donna, there's been an imbalance in man's man. Okay? And Jesus' crucifixion fixed this imbalance and restores man's spiritual equilibrium so that you can he can he can be spiritually vibrant and economically vibrant. You send so many people, they either are wealthy but they don't love God. That's an imbalance. Or they love the Lord, yes. but boy, they are poor. Or they love the Lord, but they have a lost imbalance. Jesus brought balance. He said, listen, this is your portion. So we deal with that. Then, then number seven, this, his side was pierced by the spear, and this was the last mm. bloody shirt. Water, blood and water came out of his side. Jesus literally paid the price for all of us to be set free from the spirit yes. of a broken wow. heart broken heart. And boy, we have people that right now, you're listening to us, your heart was broken, you lost a loved one, or a child, or, or whatever you would listen to me, you don't have to be an attendant to an author of a broken heart. You can be yes. delivered by the blood of Jesus. Yes. Whew. Amen. I know we don't have a lot of time left, but I want to say just one other thing about, about the teaching, about the book that you are offering, Dr. Miles. And since we're talking about the blood of Jesus, you have a teaching about the cleansing of our bloodline, that the blood of Jesus is so powerful that it literally can cleanse our bloodline from past generations, put a stop to these curses so that our future generations would be clean and would be cleansed. Yes, exactly. You know, um, in this book, actually, I include a little bit of a section um, from a revelation that I I actually appeared on Supernatural. So if people want to go to it, Supernatural on YouTube or and just type in Seed Roth Genetic Salvation. I believe they're going to find the program I did with Seed Roth on jumping bloodlines. But we, I bring it into this particular book because uh, there is a prophetic act they'll be taking as they read the book where I, t- I tell them now to put the bloodline in front of them. And this time, I'm going after the evil altars in the bloodline. So when they jump over the prophetic bloodline, that God will completely also use that methodology to deliver them from any any residue, any altars that are hiding in the bloodline. So we've seen miracles, and this is also based on Ezekiel 16, verse 4, where God talks about, on the day that you were born, your umbilical cord was not cut. And I said, Lord, how can that be? Because that's a one thing women do, midwives, once when a baby is born, they cut the umbilical cord. And God said to me, Francis, I'm not talking about the natural umbilical cord. Remember, he says everything physical is, a, is an element of something spiritual. He says, but who cut your spiritual umbilical cord to the idolatrous, corrupted bloodline of your natural ancestors? And I said, oh, my God, I never saw it. And God said to me, yes, Francis. So the prophetic act of jamming the bloodline is you asking me to cut 
that uh, spiritual umbilical cord that connects you to all the junk that comes from all our corrupted bloodlines. We know what, uh, Adona, that is also in this book on dangerous prayers. So there's a section where they deal with that. I said, this is the last thing I want them to do before they begin to pray the dangerous prayers that are yes. destroyed different yes. type of order. Yes, wow. I, w- I want to end with this, Dr. Miles. Honestly, it's been such a pleasure having you. And this is such deep, deep, wonderful information. I want to end with this. You have so many testimonies of people that have prayed these dangerous prayers, that have applied this teaching. G- just give me a couple before we pray for everybody. Well, there was a woman called Betty, you know, prayed the prayers. And she says this, I had not spoken with my sister in two years. After breaking the evil orders in my bloodline, uh, we now talk every that's day. Wonderful. That's wonderful. Yes, yes, absolutely. <laughs> you know, there's a woman who says uh, she listened to my teaching and uh, prayed the dangerous prayer. And she was instantly delivered from a spirit of depression and suicide yes, that she fought yes. with for years. You know, and then another mother says uh, her son actually, a younger son was traumatized by the mm-hmm. murder of his oldest brother. You know, that's traumatic for anybody. He couldn't sleep. He would have panic attacks. He was tormented. He told his mother, I'm just going to kill myself. I can live this way until he was brought to a service where I was taking people through the dangerous prayers. And since then, the boy has been delivered. No more nightmares, no more suicides, no more flashbacks. Is the mother is completely yes. amazing. And, and even people, I mean, you even had testimonies from Zambia of people who were praying these prayers and going through the, the teachings and the principles that were physically healed. Oh, yes. I mean, we are like, now, we had like we could only get about four or five people on the t- on on the on the on the TV set just to testify, but when we dealt with that, we had about sixty five people that were healed of tumors and growth that disappeared in the service. Yes. Wow! After praying the dangerous prayers, so this is this is real, people. You need to get this package. Get the book and get the CD teaching along with it that Donald has been talking about, but I'm telling you, it's going to be a game changer. I guarantee you, I promise you, by the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen, amen to that. Dr. Miles, will you pray for our listeners before we leave? Heavenly Father, righteous judge, I bring all our listeners, every child, every woman, every man who's listening to the sound of my voice. Lord, I I bring them by faith into the court of heaven. And I'm asking that, God, you begin, you begin to judge evil, evil authors that they are fighting. Expose them as we subpoena these evil authors in the court of heaven to face criminal persecution for all, for all that they have done to your children is criminal against the finished work of Jesus, who paid the price for our deliverance. So, Father, right now I'm asking that those evil authors they are fighting will be brought in the court of heaven and judged, judged and broken by the redeeming voice of the blood of Jesus, we thank you and I give you the praise and the glory that this is it for them. This is the moment where they can look back and say, that is when I enter the realm yes. of answered prayer. Prayers that I, I thought God forgot about, did not hear, 
were suddenly answered as I, as Dr. Miles took me into the court of heaven and began to release these dangerous prayers over me in Jesus' name. I thank you, Father, for miracles, signs, and wonders for anybody who needs a physical healing in their body, including tumors yes. disappearing right now. In Jesus' yes, name. Yes, yes. Well, Dr. Miles, thank you for joining us today, and I want to thank all of you who have joined us and listened today here on Messianic Vision. And now here's Sid Roth to tell you how you can get this amazing, and like Dr. Miles said, game-changing and life-changing resource package from Dr. Francis Miles. Sid? Do you feel like invisible barriers are keeping you from the life that you want, the life you crave? Dr. Francis Miles says... This may be the result of hidden evil altars in the supernatural spirit realm. In dangerous prayers that destroy evil altars, Dr. Miles teaches you this groundbreaking teaching that will tear down every one of these unholy altars, breaking free from many years of sin and bondage, uh, areas like sexual perversion, sickness, poverty, fear, premature death, and habits that you know you want to change but just haven't been able to do it, and more. It's time to close the enemy's entryways into your life. Freedom is yours. Let me say that again. Freedom, finally, freedom is yours. Order now to get Dr. Miles' brand new book, Dangerous Prayers That Destroy Evil Altars, and his brand new and exclusive three CD teaching series, which contains a two-part message, Destroying Evil Altars, Seven Places Jesus Shed His Blood, and the third CD, Dangerous Prayers, where Dr. Miles actually leads you into the courts of heaven to destroy the seven evil altars connected to the blood that Jesus shed all for an investment of only 35 U.S. dollars. To order, call 1-800-447-2697. That's 1-800-447-2697. Or go to our website at sidroth.org. That's S-I-D-R-O-T-H dot O-R-G. Be sure to ask for offer number 9765. Once again, that's offer number 9765. 